Hello. I have seen Zoolander several times. Owen Wilson, also funny. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, Owen Wilson, <laughs> I think, is actually funnier than Ben Stiller Agreed. most of the time. But Ben Stiller is perfect for Night at the Museum. I'll have to watch it. There's three of them, aren't there? I think there's three. Yeah, Thrice. They, it all blends together. It's kind of like the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean after you get to a... You know, you I think I've certain, only seen like the first two or three. The first one is awesome. The right. second one's really good. Mm-hmm. And they start to trail. And but eventually they like, all kind of blend together. Right. And I don't think I saw the last eight or however many there were. So. With Jerry Bruckheimer. Left. You know, it's a little bit like uh, in some ways. Now, I don't know about how it ended with... Uh, with Pirates of the Caribbean, but it, once you lose Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow, there's really no point. Don't, was he not in the later play. ones? Well, no, I, but I think they were talking about doing another one. And, they know, are with they, Margot Robbie. They dumped him, and then he's like, I, I wouldn't come back you know, if they want. And I like so, Margot Robbie, I don't know all the he deals. Ain't gonna be... If it's not Jack Sparrow, what are we even doing here, right? George's Halloween, cost- but, George's Halloween so. costume. Is, he's going to be a pirate. And he it's he looks exactly like Jack Sparrow. It's kind of funny. It's, uh, and he probably is going to walk like him too, just because that's naturally how he walks. Heidi has a Jack but, Sparrow costume nice. that she had Brad wear. Nice. BJ wore it in high school, I think. Too. Very cool. Anyway, w- were we podcasting welcome to, for welcome to the pirate people? Welcome listening? to the pirate podcast. Is this just us? Well, we're we're back for after things. like two so, weeks, and now we have a lot to, of things. It to talk almost about. didn't get it this week. I'm like, we're going to be, you know. I know. We're gonna be out for a month before you know. My it. child was sick during our normal time, and and the week before I was gone, and the week before that I was sick, and right. we just haven't been able to reschedule anything. So did you miss us? We are here, and we hope that you are here also, ready to receive this podcast. Hey. So we you asked Rich texted me on the way here asking if we remembered how to do this, and I said, "Did we ever know how to do this?" <laughs> so that, yeah, so. That's fair. That's where we are today. We've eventually managed to at least get the uh, equipment set up. And so <laughs> it only took a half hour. Yeah. Well, the conversation in something to rant about probably slowed it down That's a little true. bit. I feel like you need to scoot in a little on the okay. Facebook anyway. Hello. Hello. Hello, Facebook. We want to see you. Nobody wants to see me, but no. I am ready to receive your criticism and suggestions. So, <laughs> so fire away, people. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so now I feel like we need to get back into the swing of things with numbers well, i have i have i apologize for not posting the sermon for several weeks but i have been doing it lately um so we've missed a couple something to talk about in in terms of the past so we kind of traded the right sermon right for, right yeah. so we can only do one podcast <laughs> thing a week um so yeah so you can go back and, so and listen to those but uh, we are finally going to to discuss this past week's message. Well, in the <clears throat> previous week we looked at numbers 13 and 14 and talked about we finally get to this place where the children of Israel get to the the uh, the verge of the promised land, and uh, they send the twelve spies in. Ten were bad, two were good, and they uh, bring back the report. It's all this wonderful things in the land, and yet, yikes, giants! We don't want it. Yikes, Take guys. us back to Egypt. We're out of here. <clears throat> and um, and so because that was such a big chunk, we're kind of going back through it and just. Uh, looking at some individual principles that we want to pull out. Uh, and we saw through the, uh, as we were looking at the big picture of the story, that when we trust in ourselves instead of the Lord, we receive his wrath instead of his blessing. And, and we saw that how this particular story of the Israelites uh, having, you know, God, God has given them everything. They're like a, a year and a half, less than two years out from, uh, really probably I think less than a year and a half uh, if I were paying attention, I would know that um, from when they 
came out of Egypt, mm -hmm. right? So they just saw all these amazing things. It's been less time since COVID hit. <laughs> I mean, it's been less time for them than it has been since COVID hit. Longer since we uh, dealt with that, um, which is crazy. In all fairness, that felt like forever. <laughs> but, but it's kind of crazy <laughs> right. to think about right. that they already seem to have forgotten that God you know, used the 10 miraculous plagues to totally dominate Egypt and, and get them to let them go. Um, totally seemed to have forgotten that God parted the Red Sea so they could walk across and then drown the mightiest army in the world behind them. They no seem to have forgotten that God has been regularly leading them with this pillar of cloud, pillar of fire. Uh, so, I mean, the provision of manna, uh, even the judgment provision of quail that comes uh, in chapter 11, it's like, dudes, how, how are we missing this, right? And yet, isn't that kind of what we do all the time too? We, you know, we get so overwhelmed with the things of this world as if God isn't in control, as if he's not real and we're just dealing with religious things that we work ourselves up to believe. So in chapter 12, we see the kind of uh, uh, jealousy and, and pushback from Miriam specifically and Aaron as well. Both of them connected uh, in saying, well, wait a minute. Doesn't God speak through us too? Does he only speak through Moses? And they, um, because of their jealousy, they, they badmouth his wife and his, his Cushite wife. It's funny how one sin brings out other sins. Mm -hmm. So we see this sin of bigotry that seems to be brought about or exacerbated because of their sin of jealousy mm -hmm. and their refusal to submit to authority as they're going through it. So God deals with them and, and, um, Miriam develops leprosy like that. God makes her white as snow. And I was listening to a couple of uh, pastors talking about that passage. Uh, on, it's another. It's a really good uh, podcast. I recommend to anybody looking for a much better podcast than this. Uh, it's called the Bible Talk uh, Podcast. It's from Nine Marks, and I really enjoy it. It's just conversations as they're working through uh, the text. And they've gone through the entire Torah now, so it's worth uh, worth checking that out from the beginning if you have the opportunity. Anyway, Bible Talk is that podcast. And they were talking about um, this, and I, I don't necessarily agree with um, the emphasis. I think this is a common emphasis that I don't think the text necessarily supports or the context necessarily supports. Uh, but they're saying this seems to be a picture of um, Miriam and Aaron uh, in their bigotry, in their racism kind of stuff that, you know, she's got darker skin as they're talking about the wife, whether that's Zipporah or another woman. But I, that doesn't appear to be the basis of it. It doesn't appear to be the point of the story. It could be. It's possible. I think we're overstepping when we start to read into historical narratives mm -hmm. things that are primarily seen through our contemporary lens. So today we live in, in, uh, in this... Um, John Stowe Street, Stone Street of the Colson Center calls it the uh, this critical theory mood uh, where we are constantly looking at things through this lens. And I, I think that's right. So when we look back at history and we see that we, you and I were talking in something to rant about, about bands that have changed their names over backlash, um, that they never intended anything in the first place, but you know it caused some offense. And some of that's legit and some of it's not legit. But when we look back over history and we read racism into places where there isn't right. racism necessarily, because well, that's where we are currently, or because that's what we have known in our lifetime, that's that, that's 
we're, we're taking a variety of different strands of historical realities mm -hmm. and conflating them to make it say something that probably is not sustainable. That's becoming, maybe I just haven't noticed it as much before, but I feel like that's becoming a huge thing lately. There's apparently a new Scooby-Doo cartoon coming out. and Always a good idea. Not this. A, I, lo I like the original Scooby-Doo and no other Scooby-Doo since then. So, I liked the movie know. with Sarah Michelle Gellar and Freddie Prinze. Didn't see it. I was offended by the principal, so I didn't watch it. Um, so. What was the principal? It was Scooby-Doo. Oh, well, whatever. That wasn't the original Scooby-Doo. So, so this, there's new Scooby-Doo. It's like making an electric Mustang for crying out loud. <laughs> this new Scooby-Doo. The first thing so. I heard about this new Scooby-Doo was that Velma was gay. Okay. Okay. You gotta be careful when I'm drinking the water. You're but, setting up a spit take. But right you're ruin your computer. So, yeah. But then all of the other characters, or at least several of them, are a different Shaggy is black. Um another another character I think was maybe Indian. I don't know. Why don't but you just make thing. it a different character? And it's just that's what people that's what upsets well, I mean, me. That's... And I've seen African American people like on TikTok where they're like, this is more offensive. This is racist. Right. This is what we're and it's like right. the it's like the new Little Mermaid. Why I'm not upset about the Little Mermaid being black because it's a fictional character. But here's the thing: <laughs> why not just create a new character? Because we've grown up with this is the Little Mermaid. This is the character, right. yeah. a white redheaded girl under the sea. You're yeah. just you're just doing this for a racist agenda. And that's, the same that's thing the with problem that we run into with the. When we're looking at, at the text of scripture, we tend to look through our framework. And so when we're looking at, and we can't help that. I mean, it's the way, right. our framework is the way we view the world. It's the paradigm that, that we see things through our worldview, as it were. And so if we're, you know, if we're, you know, living today, there's a certain cultural milieu that we're, that we're naturally born into right mm -hmm. and so it's a little different for me as someone who grew up and was born in the 60s grew up in the 70s and 80s raised children in the 90s than it is for you being born at the end of the 80s and and you know growing up in the 90s and raising children now you right. know or a child now i'm not don't want to add to it Cat, cats don't count so it's one child um, two cats and a dog but as as we're doing this you know, we're going to see things through a different lens. Right. I'm a man, you're a woman. You know, that, that's it's natural for us to understand that. And I don't know that there Gosh, is that's really, simple, isn't it? It, it does really <laughs> seem to be kind of kind of easy. And, and realistically, as we've dealt with um, things throughout throughout the history of my lifetime, I can't say that it's always been like this, but I will say for sure in the 70s and 80s, we recognize this. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the, all the, of the conversations about white privilege and stuff that it, it it's so much different today, even when we use the same terms as we're used then. Mm. It's a different mentality because we are seeing the past through the lens of our present. The way that we see things now, we assume and demand that everybody else get viewed that way. Right. So whatever, right. you know, this is October, so I'm probably going to talk about Martin Luther a bunch of different times uh, randomly and for no particular reason, just because it's October. Well, and that's fitting for this podcast. Yeah. And so, but, you know, we can look at things that Martin Luther said and say, oh, that's horrible. It's offensive. But we don't look at the context right. that led to that, that it may still be horrible and offensive. But if we're taking it from our framework now, rather than understanding it in its context, then we're not going to really understand 
the the statement, right. the 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 author, the the right. point. And the same thing is true when we look at the scripture. So when we're talking about chapter 12, we're actually talking about part of 13 today. Mm -hmm. We haven't gotten there yet. But when we're talking about we'll what happens in, we'll get there with 29 <laughs> minutes on the clock. Um, when we're looking at chapter 12 and, you know, uh, Miriam and Aaron, uh, it, it appears to be Miriam doing the talking. She seems to be leading the charge here. Um, and as as they're doing this and they're, uh, speaking against Moses on account of his Cushite wife, there is clearly a picture of bigotry in some sense. Mm. For us to see that type of bigotry partiality as, oh, she has dark skin, therefore it's it's the same kind of racism that we know. Right. But that would be out of character for most everything else that we see in most every situation that we look at. Was there prejudice and bigotry? Of course there was. We've, we're sinful people and have been since Genesis 3. So if you think there has ever been a time or will ever be a time when there is not partiality, bigotry, prejudice, those that, that's never going away. And we can make laws to deal with it, and we should make laws to deal with it, but we can't change human hearts apart from Christ. Now, within the church, that should never be a part of who we are. Right. We recognize that it has been, but it is an anomaly. It's an aberration from uh, what we have been called to in reflecting the reality of Christ through relationships. When we look at this, the point of the story in chapter 12 is that, and, and I feel okay doing this because we skipped 12 and 13, 14, sure, right. so we're, you know, we're catching up a little bit. But as we look at Numbers chapter 12, the point has nothing to do. There's no part of this story that points us in the direction of dealing with the bigotry or sin. Mm. The the point is clearly that they are usurping, usurping, usurping it's soup season. Moses' authority uh, because God has called him. God has, has placed uh, this special relationship on Moses. And he says, look, you know, when I, when there's a prophet among you, I speak to that prophet through dreams and visions and so on. But that's not how I speak to Moses. Moses, I speak to face to face, mouth to mouth is the, right. is the ESV. I don't speak in riddles and parables. I, I speak directly as a man talks to a friend. Right. right? So this is the picture. Um, and, and the whole point then of what's going on in this story is not that they spoke against Moses' wife but that they spoke against Moses and therefore against God's authority. Mm. That's the entire point of the story. Now, to look back at that and say, oh, racism. Right. You're, you're, you're reading into the text rather than drawing out from it. So you're, we, we use the made-up Greek term eisegesis to describe that we're reading into it as opposed to exegesis, we're drawing out from it. So what, when we look at that, the, the pretty clear picture in them speaking, uh, again, specifically Miriam, but both of them um, speaking against uh, Moses' wife, it's like everything else. The issue is not the issue. It's like when you know a, you're having a fight with your with your uh, child or your you know you know I don't know. Do you fight with child? I don't. You know you're fighting with your wife or whatever, and uh, you know. 
she's mad, you're mad. And you start picking apart things that have nothing to do with what it what is actually right. about. And you got to get to the heart of the matter. She wrote an article which is about that last yesterday. Well, it was how to, how to handle conflict effectively. And it said some, some couples that argue regularly are the healthiest couples yeah. because they're doing it the right way. And that was one of the big things is they don't bring up past hurts. <laughs> yeah, because it, it's done. Right. And that was one of the things that I've always appreciated about my wife is I don't have to guess how she's feeling. You know, right. it's it's out there. It's on your sleeve. You know what's going on. Well, so what clearly seems to be happening here is they're mad because the, the jump is Cushite wife didn't got to speak through us also. So you're bad mouthing Moses and his marriage and you're, you're trying to drag this down. But you don't really care about the marriage. What you care about is why aren't we getting some glory here? Right. You know, and, and so you want to draw away from that. So in this process, that's that's part of the dynamic of the sinful heart that we're seeing uh, in the people of Israel, which is a, a, a picture of our own sinful hearts as well. And so uh, you got the first 10 chapters of the book where God is setting them up, getting getting them ordered, getting them prepared for battle. Everything has been about I'm bringing you to the promised land. And when I bring you to the promised land, you know, here's how we're going to live. So the book of Leviticus gives them the law of God so that they can be the light to the Gentiles. They can be separate from the nations around them to be holy unto God because they belong to God. There's covenant people. And then uh, here's how you live in light of that. They get to, to the book of Numbers. You got the law. You're setting up the tabernacle. You're getting everything in place. You you take the census and you order the the camps around the tabernacle. So God is at the center of everything you do. Uh, everybody's doing exactly as the Lord commands. They start the the march. They get three days into it. And they're like, oh, it's so hard. You know, friction, difficulty, uh, and then they complain and grumble. Sounds a whole lot like us. God deals with that, judges them, deals with it, and like the very next verse, it's. Uh, oh, I wish that we had good food like we had in Egypt when we were slaves, you know, but all we have is this, is this stinking manna. We don't want any more manna. We want some meat. And God says, you want meat? I'm going to give it to you for a month till it comes out your nose. You're going to have all this uh, all this meat that you're going to deal with. God brings in uh, quail, so many quail. It's clearly, a, 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 I guess technically you'd call it uh, an act of providence because it's not violating, you know, natural law. But in any case, God brings in a, a wind that brings in quail from over near the sea that just covers everything for a day's march all the way around the camp. Okay, awesome. They uh, they grumbled against God because it was hard. They grumbled against God's provision. So, you know, we're, we're at strike two now. We see uh, Miriam and Aaron go through this leadership thing. Uh, they repent. God uh, has mercy on them. And Miriam is restored. People march out. We get to chapter 13 and boom, here we go. We get to the promised land and Deuteronomy 1 tells us as, as Moses is reminding the people of the story, you know, you were pestering me about getting spies. So right. I said, okay, we have spies here in, in numbers. It's recorded as the Lord told him uh, to send spies, send spies as spies or scouts, these, these uh, recon specialists to go in, go through the land, see what kind of cities they are, see what kind of people they are, see what kind of uh, stuff is there, uh, bring some back. They come back. Wow, it's better than we imagined. Unbelievable. Uh, but there's giants. Heck no, we're not doing this. We got to go back. Let's. <clears throat> in fact, it goes so far in chapter 14 that that they try to reverse the Exodus. And, and <clears throat> on that Bible Talk podcast, they really 
emphasize that point. And I thought that was a very valid point to bring out that what you're seeing now is here at, at, at this stage, they're actually rejecting the blessing of God. Right. So you've come so far in your grumbling against God, you've rejected his, um, his protection. You've re rejected his purpose. You've rejected his provision. Now you're on the, the, the very edge of coming into this. Now you've just rejected the promise altogether. I know that you made these covenant promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I know that you've promised to deliver us and you've done all these things, but we're not really sure that you can do this or that you will. And so we want to go back to Egypt and basically just absolutely opposite. It's like, it's like anti-Exodus now. We're going to go back uh, into what we try to get out of. So you're rejecting all of God's blessings, all of God's deliverance, because you are so focused on your own understanding of your ability or lack thereof mm -hmm. to, to, you know, we, we get so caught up on what we see, right. what we sense, what we feel that God's promises just go out the window. We don't, we don't care about it. And, and truthfully, you know, as we look at, at life, it is amazing how often that happens. And, and you sure. and I've talked about this before and, and we've probably talked about it on the podcast before and, and deal with it all the time, how folks are really strong in their faith until stuff gets a little bit sideways. And then all of a sudden you've forgotten everything you've ever learned. Right. The promises of God are not good enough. They're not going to, they're not going to get you through this. And we go our own way, try to find fulfillment through some other strange means that, that, fits our mind, but is contrary to God's word. Mm -hmm. We think that's going to work. And when I was in Memphis at the um, BCAC, uh, or ACBC, sorry, <laughs> too many letters. We've been talking about letters a lot today, yeah. you and I. Anyhow, as we... Not uh, ACDC. Not them. Uh, this this was the uh, Association of Christian Biblical Counselors. So we're down there, uh, and one of the um, speakers, one of the plenary speakers was talking about... Uh, God's plan and, and specifically about sexuality, but talking about God's plan and, and how uh, God's designed for things for us, for our lives. It's kind of like a hammer. It's made for a particular purpose. And if you use it for that purpose, according to how it's designed to be used, everything's good. You're going to be very satisfied. You'll be happy with it because that's what it's for. But doing things the way we decide, you know, I, I feel like, Really, I'm, I'm a woman inside. I feel like a woman trapped in a man's body. Therefore, I'm going to rebel against God's created order. I, I decided that, you know, God's rules for my life, for marriage, sexuality, and family, um, I, I, they seem so restrictive. They seem so old-fashioned, and I just can't ride with that. So I'm going to change it. It's essentially like taking that hammer and using it for other purposes right. for which it's not designed. Right. And it might give you a temporary relief. It's going to give you that, that, that temporary short-term gain of what you're trying to get. But long-term, it's creating chaos and destruction. So, for example, you can take that hammer and drive a nail. Everything's great. Or you can take that hammer and use it to get into your car, right. smash the window and go in. And it accomplished your short-term goal, it got you into your car, but it left destruction right. that you're going to have to do something about it. It created a problem. Or, you know, somebody's standing, you're trying to watch television, somebody's standing between you and the television, you can use that hammer to, to bash them. And, and, but then you're going to jail. And you've removed them temporarily. You've fixed that situation. You got that short-term gain. You're going to jail. Somebody's 
probably dead or in the hospital. It, it's a bad idea. You've left a trail of chaos and destruction. We've done that in life mm -hmm. by choosing our way over God's way. So now as we're looking at this idea here in 25 minutes, so we're, we're We might have one extra minute for the, the next. Right, started okay, oh, we got seven. Oh, we're, we're great. We're in great shape. Uh, so when we get to, you know, this idea of being uh, ready to receive God's blessing, the, we're kind of um, drilling down into uh, specifically verses 25 to 33. The principles through it, we kind of really saw it, especially in those verses, Numbers 13, verses 25 to 33, uh, which I don't have open. So for the sake of time, I won't bother reading it. Um, but you're, you're intelligent, rational people. You can see it for yourself. Again, Numbers 13, 25 to 33. And and the choreality that, that we're seeing in this, in this principle that was coming out from it um, is that we will not receive God's blessing, <clears throat> excuse me, we will not receive God's blessings without resting in his care. That's kind of the problem that, that they ran into is rather than trusting and resting, and I really want to emphasize that term of resting, that, that element of trust, that I'm, I'm so comfortable in this relationship that I'm just going to rest in it. I'm not stressing. I don't have to earn it. I'm not trying to power, uh, power my way into your life. And, and, you know, think of how many dysfunctional relationships come from that, where I'm going to force my way in a, you know, this person wants out, I'm going to force them to stay, or I'm going to stalk them and all these different crazy things, or the codependency that comes from it. The idea of a, of a, of a healthy, wholesome, trusting relationship is that I'm, I'm so confident in the, in the steadfast, stalwart nature of this relationship that I'm going to just relax. I'm just going to rest in it. And, and that's kind of a huge deal. Right? Sure. And so if the Israelites had, had come into it and said, you know, God has demonstrated for us that he not only is able because he's God to do whatever he desires to do, but that he's for us. He's willing to do this. And, and he's stamped his name on us with his blessing, uh, at, you know, specifically instructing the, the priests to pray over the people, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord uh, turn His countenance toward, lift up His countenance toward you, or turn His face toward you and give you peace. He's placed us under His care. He's in this covenant. God is faithful always. Mm -hmm. If we just rest in that, just relax in that knowledge, then you see the giants, and it doesn't matter. Right. I'm just I'm going to go forward. And that's what Caleb does in the story. Caleb and Joshua, they see it. They're not dumb. They see that these are they're they're outmanned. They're outsourced. There are giants. They point out the fact that they're that every part of this territory is occupied by right. by, you know, one of these uh, tribal chieftains here. And, and these are warrior peoples. And we know this. So, you know, goodness, of course, it's scary. Right. Caleb and Joshua, like, I guess it would be scary. They're scary people, but this isn't about us. We're not relying on our ability. We're trusting in the Lord with all our heart, not leaning on our own understanding. We're going to submit all of our ways to him and let him straighten our paths. That's a great perspective. And right. it puts you in this place of resting in that covenant relationship. So because they don't do that, God's showing them, you know, he's, he, he demands our trust, but he doesn't ask for blind faith. Right. They show up. They're, you know, they're nervous. You know, God has them send the scouts in. They check it out. Oh, my goodness. It's better than you could have possibly imagined. And if God has been telling us this for more than 500 years, 
then here we're seeing it. He's actually yeah. giving us a right. foretaste of this glory. Maybe we should trust that he knows what he's doing, right? But it doesn't do that for him. Instead, all they can see is the giant. So, um, you know, he gives us... There's a metaphor there somewhere. He, he, right. He gives us these patterns of the past. He's done this over and over for them. He's delivered them. Uh, and he gives them a glimpse of what's in store for them. It's right there. They just have to take it. And we saw also that God's plans for them were bigger and better than they expected. When, right. they, when they walked up, nobody's expecting, I'm going to have to carry out a cluster of grapes on a pole between two guys. I mean, who does that? that that's unbelievable. So when they're thinking of goodness, their goodness didn't go far enough mm -hmm. to what God had in store for them. And so when God keeps his promises, his blessings are perfect. They're better than what we hope for. And in, in the uh, immortal words of the, the great 90s theologian, Garth Brooks, uh, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers, right? So that sometimes... Yeah, I got friends in low places. Some, sometimes, that too. Sometimes <laughs> when we pray, we pray dumb. We think we're asking for great things, but God's got better plans. So we right. want to be able to, to focus on where he's going. And it, Caleb is a picture of the idea that faith receives the blessings that fear rejects. So when, when they get there, not only do they fear the giants, but the fear of the giants became stronger in their hearts mm -hmm. than their trust of the Lord. Yep. Fear is one thing. God, God's patient with our weakness, and we'll talk about that a little bit this week. But what we can't do is let that fear become an idol we bow down right. to. And when they do, they start to resist. They actually are going to have Caleb and Joshua stone. They're working against everything that God is, is doing in their lives, and they're actually rejecting what he's got for them. We'll stop there. That went by fast. Uh, <laughs> Got to get back into the swing of things. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. If you have any questions or comments, you can leave us a message on Facebook or YouTube or send us an email at somethingrealatwithonline.org or leave voicemail on the Anchor app or by calling 269-756-RLCC. Well done. Else? You nailed that. Well, it's my radio commercial voice. Outstanding. You could do micro machines. You could do like neg negative side days, effects so. on, med on medications. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we will catch you guys next time.